This is a Hot Pie Original. Hi there, everyone. Uh, it is another episode of Inhumane Podcast brought to you by Hot Pie Media. I am your host, Antoinette Villarreal, and we have a crazy episode for you today. It is called It Ain't Your Daddy's Porn. So we're going to dive deep into the industry of pornography and how it is related to uh, human trafficking. So I want to preface today with you might want to not have any children in the room with you when you're listening to this uh, particular episode um, and make sure you pause if you need to go take some a, a walk or some breath work, anything like that, because um, we're just going to we're just going to open it up. So let's go ahead and, and get started. So I have two words for you. It's really a name, but the word, the name Marilyn Monroe. So when we know or hear the name Marilyn Monroe, we think pop culture, like plain and simple, right? She was feminine, um, like the blonde bombshell, right? Um, she was in movies. She was linked to very famous people, even one president, uh, JFK, um, Joe DiMaggio, right? Like she has this famous scene uh, where she's wearing this white halter top dress, right? And she's walking over this grate and the wind goes up and you know, very shy, like she's trying to cover it. So not all her goodies are being shown. Um, yet it's still very seductive. And it's like, it just like lures you in. It's extremely famous scene, right? There's pictures, there's movies of it. Um, people have tried to redo it in a lot of capacities and everyone, no matter their age goes back to, Oh yeah, that's totally a scene from Marilyn Monroe. Um, in the eighties, Madonna, was so inspired that she made Material Girl, right? And that was totally a movie from Marilyn uh, Marilyn Monroe that she did. So we know that this woman is just iconic in all kind of ways. Um, but the other space that she takes up is that she was the centerfold for the first Playboy. First centerfold for the first Playboy. Um, she actually didn't pose for it. Uh, ironically enough, and a lot of people don't know that they think that she posed for it, but before she was this famous movie star, she was a struggling, struggling actress. And so I believe it was to make her car payment. She took some nude photos and I believe it was like $50. That's what I have found in various, you know, research. So again, this is way back in the day. So $50 was a lot of, right. A lot of money. So she sold these nude photos. Um, this individual individual had them. Uh, Hugh Hefner, because right, her career was starting to take off. Um, he purchased them. He purchased them, and Marilyn Monroe never received any money from Playboy regarding these pictures, even though it catapulted Playboy to this like this other sphere. Um, and there you go, right? Pornography took on a totally different life of its own. Like before, um, you know, you had to, if, if you found one, you had to hide it, right? Like it was under the bed. Um, it was like in a closet, it was under a floorboard. Like you've seen those movies, like in the fifties and the forties and, and they were hidden. Um, there were adult, uh, theaters that, that played these kind of movies 
But the individuals that went, like, they looked shady, right? They looked like a creeper. Um, you weren't going to find a clean-cut individual walking into those places. Like, the risk was way too high. It's just absolutely too high. Couldn't do it. So if you got a hold of one of these soft porn is what it was of these of these photos, um, you were going to hide it. And you weren't going to get multiple, right, of them. You could barely get your hands on on one. So so what happened? What happened with pornography? We went from there to what we have now. So really, VHS came around, right? VHS came around. And those of you who remember Blockbuster, gosh, I miss Blockbuster. Um, but those of you that remember Blockbuster or your local video store, like I also had pop video in my neighborhood too. So it was like, pop video or blockbuster. And in the back, you you had like these curtains and and I believe like there was a sign that you had to be over the age of 18 to go back there. It may have even been 21. Um, but that is where all of the pornography, you know, videos and movies were there. Again, the risk was way too high, right? Like you go back there, you come out and boom, you, you run into your, like your best friend's mom or your mom's best friend. Like, oh my gosh, that would be an absolute nightmare because pornography was seen as like very taboo, right? Like, like dirty. So people weren't going to do that again, way, 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 way too high. So then you had like these triple X, kind of uh, standalone uh, shops off the highway or off the beaten path. And so, okay, same thing. Um, you could swing in there. Maybe Obviously, you're not going to just run into your best friend's mom, but still you had no idea who you were going to run into. And maybe, uh, maybe you do run into somebody you know, and you're both there for the same reason, but it would still just be way too like shameful. So here you go again, not, not going to really participate, right? Well, so I guess my question is, when did porn hit the Internet, right? When when did it hit it where it's all over the place right now? So 1992 is really when the smartphone um, came out. So, of course, like like most things, the parent gets the smartphone because they're the ones paying for that. Right. And then their child gets their flip phone. But after they start upgrading boom, they're just handing down their phones to their kids. So now their kids have access to porn all over the place. And I'll tell you, porn did not mess around. Like pornography just didn't. Um, so 1992, right? Smartphones hit and you had internet and you had dial up and it just took way too long to to download, download porn. So really like 1998 to 2007, there was this... Uh, 2004 study of internet traffic and it, it came out May of like that year and it read that porn pornographic websites grew 1800% <laughs> like that's that's just I mean people kill for those numbers right like marketing companies are like how do we get that kind of growth so the porn industry grew that fast. And 
when during that time, people searching for some sort of pornographic uh, visual, um, it was like three times more than people searching for Google, Yahoo and MSN at, at that time, like combined. Like that's huge. Those were the three big internet, right? Uh, search engines at the time. And so here people were searching for porn way more than they were searching for those search engines. Like just mind, like mind blowing on what happened there. Right. So I give you this info and I bet you're asking, okay, that's, that's great. But what is, what does porn have to do with human trafficking? And that's a really, really great, great question. So I'm going to read this, um, this quick little, this little story. So it's 2012. George Mason University um, had a trafficking, like little outreach aware, like out, uh, awareness. And there was a woman there by the name of Karen who was a human trafficking survivor. And she was asked the question, about whether or not porn was ever part of, of trafficking. Her response was exactly this. Men often film themselves having sex with me during the nine years I was trafficked in Brooklyn. Sometimes they would bring porn with them and demand I do that to them, what, what was happening in the porn. So here you have an individual who has been trafficked for nine years. And she's telling you it's highly related. Okay. So let's break down, let's, let's break this down a little bit more. So let's say a similar situation happened and her name is Gina. Okay. A very similar experience from uh, Karen and, and Gina. So let's say Gina's purchaser had no idea, absolutely no idea that she was being right. She was she was there in that situation by force, fraud or coercion. Right. Which is the definition of human trafficking. So had no idea that he was purchasing sex from someone who had no desire, no consent um, and was forced or there was fraud or coercion for her to be there. And he's thinking that she's there at her own free will, right? But regardless regardless of him being totally oblivious to that, there's still a commodity being traded there, right? There's still a commodity and the commodity is money for sex. The other commodity is sex. Those are the two commodities just being traded. So... Now let's go a little bit, let's let's go even a little bit deeper. So hands down, every time I speak with someone about human trafficking, um, they 100% agree that it's occurring. They, they're not aware of the magnitude, right, or how often, but they do believe it's happening. And they're absolutely appalled that it, it's happening. Now, there's still tons of confusion complete confusion and misunderstanding when we say modern day slavery is human trafficking, right? And modern day slavery, like they still, the public still doesn't comprehend how someone who is a prostitute or exotic dancer or um, uh, escorting, how any of that can be forms of human trafficking. Now, (laughs) 
I also talk to tons of people who they definitely want something happen. They want something to happen to the trafficker, right? They want that trafficker placed in prison. Um, and then they definitely want something more severe to happen to individuals who force fraud or coercion uh, with children in human trafficking. They want something a little bit more severe to happen to those individuals. So they want all of that to happen. But without still fully understanding, right, and being able to identify it in all these realms and capacities. So what we leave out majority of the time, um, and it, it's gaining a lot more traction now in the human tra anti-human trafficking space, but is to stop the demand. Stop the demand. Stop the buyers. And I bet you're asking, well, how do how do we do that? Right. What avenue do we go down? What space do you stop them in? Like where, when, like, how do we do that? And that is the major, major question. And I'll tell you, um, I was on another, uh, you know, listening to another human uh trafficking panel with with survivors. And this one, she's just she's so, so bold and. Uh, she's a she's in the medical field now like that is her her job as a nurse. And she's like, we're we're always backwards. We're starting way over here and just helping um, the, the victims. Right. Which, of course, they obviously need help, lots of support and resources. Yes. Yeah, she's like, but when do we come over here? And that has been my fight this whole time is when are we going to come over here? Right. On that prevention side and stopping the demand. The outreach isn't just us talking to the youth, right? That's one part, but it's also stopping the buyers. So along with eating, drinking, um, and sleeping, sex is the other fundamental human drive that we have, okay? It's the other fundamental drive. Just it, We wouldn't have all these body parts, right, that function that way if that wasn't the case. Um, so... Here you have the, the brain, right? And it activates the limbic system. And that limbic system in your brain, it actually controls your basic emotions, whether that's, you know, fear, anger, um, you know, it, uh, frustration. It just, it just manages all of that piece, right? Now, there has been a lot of studies about, um, pornography and the effects that it has on the brain, um, as, as well as kind of all over the place, but specifically the, the brain. So when people look at sexual imagery, your that dopamine just floods that brain region. Okay. And it causes this intense feeling of pleasure, right? Hence why obviously people, people watch it and everyone's probably saying like, duh, of course, that's exactly what we watch it. But what, I think pop culture and what the porn, you know, pornographic industry is not telling people is that what happens to your brain over time? What happens? What are the effects of pornography happening to you over a significant amount of amount of time? Right. So when over time you're looking at these these images, right, and those are called like reinforces forcers in your brain and you have these pleasurable pleasurable feelings. Um and so the only way to continue to get pleasure is by looking at those. So in other words, if I'm looking at porn, but then now I want to go and have these relations with my uh, significant other, I'm not getting that pleasure like I am if I'm looking at these Im images. 
So see, there's a there's a disconnect there, but we're thinking it's going to be the exact same. And and it's absolutely, you know, absolutely not. Um, so this is where I think like here's the division with society and like immorality and morality kind of like kicks in and society can't really seem to agree on the negative effects of of the individual watching porn as well as the individual who is on the screen uh doing porn as well as the human trafficking victim like we're not making those connections and we don't want to right because if i just told you that uh, pornography on the internet, right, is was growing like a hundred and whatever I said, eighty thousand percent or eighteen hundred percent. Yeah, that's crazy money, right? B- business. So they're not going to make these connections for you. Um, and when it comes to human trafficking, you know, we need to push that because this is what's fueling that demand. It is totally fueling the demand and we need to be brave enough to have this kind of kind of conversation. So if you believe in having sex with like one person and this individual believes in having sex with multiple people, like it's natural, it's what the human needs um, and the human wants, um, you know, again, that's where that conflict happens. And we can't seem to agree as a community of whether porn is good or porn is bad. It's immoral. It's moral, you know, kind of thing. Um, yes, it, it is a human need and it is a human want. But when science is telling us that this is what's happening to our brain. This is what's happening to all the functions of our body. Um, that should also be a huge wake up call, right? Okay. So the more you do, there's a, there's a psychiatrist and he, he studies, right? Like sex and pornography specifically. And, his last name is Plod, Joseph, Joseph Plod. Um, and he's a clinical forensic psychologist um, out of Boston. And so he studies all the effects of pornography. And he, he states, the more you do and the greater degree of access, the more explicit it is, you seem to need more and more and more. All right. So I just want to quickly talk about like the, if we're saying that pornography is like so addictive, right? Well, what does addiction mean? And those of us who have never been like addicted to to drugs or to uh, to food, we kind of don't understand what that means. So this is like the addiction cycle. And there's kind of seven there's seven steps to it. So one, you encounter something pleasurable, right? You encounter something pleasurable and the brain stores a memory of it. And then you feel a negative emotion about it. And negative doesn't have to mean something like you're so angry or mad about it, but it could also be bored, boredom. Um, think of 2022 or 2020. How many people were bored in 2020? Right. Uh, so bored, lonely. How many people were bored in 2020 or 2021 because of our lockdowns? Um, stressed. Americans are extremely stressed, right? We work mad hours. Um, everything's so expensive. People are tired, right? Those emotions um, are also uh, negative, okay? So your limbic, that part of that brain I was telling you, which is what scientists call, neuroscientists call the feeling brain, wants to avoid that pain. So the brain sees negative emotion as pain. It can't distinguish between the two. Negative pain, um, 
or negative emotion is pain. And so the brain says, like that's a potential threat. Like we have to do something about it. So then it accesses that pleasurable memory, right? And it creates that craving for it. So pornography, you, you, you think you could watch it very little and be done, but instead your, your brain is literally craving because it thinks that it's being harmed. So hello, let's, let's crave for it. So when a person uses a pleasurable, a, a pleasure producing substance or a behavior like watching porn or gambling, um, or playing even video games, right. To distract themselves from that experience or that negative emotion, this whole new neurological pathway gets created. Like you're creating a whole neurological pathway for that, right? And so each time a person uses a drug or that behavior to deal with that emotional pain, right? That that your brain said it's an emotional pain, it's a threat. That pathway, it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So you're literally creating this right almost on your on your own so if it's so strengthened to crave for porn how do you get away from that um and so then there you go that addiction has been has been created so um i want to give you an example maybe using more of like drugs so we can comprehend because i know thinking that pornography is addictive um and how these acts relate to you know, to human trafficking and belittling women and men, because men are definitely being trafficked as well. Um, so let's let's take the same drug, right? So it's the same same drug, whatever it is. But then you have to start finding new methods to administrate it, right? So let's say first you um, smoke it, then you you right you got to up that ante. And so then you start taking it in pill form and then you got up the ante again. And so now you're taking it, you know, via via IV. So generally you're producing a faster and stronger dopamine signal. And that is where you're going to misuse the drug or, or the behavior. Right. So literally that's how your body, that's how your brain reacts. But we constantly tell ourselves, well, I'm only going to watch it two times a week, or, um, I may not even know I'm watching it because it has become so much of, of, of pop culture. Right. So we think that we can be completely immune to it. And in reality we can't because your brain won't allow you to do so. And you're strengthening that crave for it. So there have been a lot of surveys have been done and research that has been done um, regarding pornography. And so people are starting to look at pornography as sex education. So they rather look at porn to educate them opposed to talking and working through it with their partner. Like that is where they're learning. Now, that's a huge problem, right? Because on one hand, the culture of pornography contradicts itself where, oh, this is just a fantasy. Like it's not real. It's just to kind of step out and maybe try. If, and then and then we're saying it's going to educate us right on pornography, but it's a fantasy. So that's to me is a huge contradiction. And the thing is, I think the other big fight within society, right, we kind of have these two sides of the aisle is they're like, well, I mean, we're all grown adults. We should be able to do whatever we want to do um, behind closed doors or in front of in, in front of our house, out in public, whatever the case may be. 
but it's no longer adults. Like the average child or the average um, age of a person being exposed to pornography was 13 years old. 13. And because of this fast internet that we have and kids having smartphones, the new age is actually eight to 11. So we just like totally leapfrogged and got to a younger age. So I, I don't know about you, but I don't want like my kids, I don't want family members that age learning about sex from porn. And yet that's the, that's what we're teaching and that's what we're allowing, right, in, in our community. Um, so we're going to see how how this is really going to affect the human trafficking world, how it affects sexual assault, um, all, all of all of these things. So watching porn, um, it has like this immediate, an immediate payoff, right? So there is no delayed gratification. So like your brain has this reward system and by watching porn, you're getting it like instantly. Right. And there is no, it taking time for you to have some sort of gratification. Like if you were to have actual intimacy with an actual person, right. That you care about. Um, now hold on. There's, I know there's one thing and I'm trying to find it real, real quick. Um, yeah, I don't think I want to talk about that part. So (laughs) I know uh, we're going to actually, there's so much I could say about porn and we can go into a whole different, like this segue and that segue and that path. So I'm going to try to keep us back, uh, keep us on, on, on point here. And we're definitely going to have to have a part two of just this particular episode. So I really want you to, you know, to tune back in, but basically your, your, your brain is being hijacked, right? Like your dopamine is being hijacked and porn takes control of all the pleasures that, that you have. Like this is literally what research is, is showing us, um, And so what that means is you're strengthening those pathways and it's against even like your own will. And that's why it's really hard for a lot of these people to get out of, of, um, you know, out of watching porn. And I mentioned those reward systems, right? So what begins to happen is you start looking at, I'm going to use the safe word and say like kinkier things, right? But in reality, it's it's almost like who would ever, who would ever look at those types of things? So for example, and again, this is going to be a little bit of a trigger. So I want, I want everyone to, you know, go ahead and prep for that. But if you look at the top 10 of porn, you know, uh, genres, um, you know, a lot of times they'll have like, and I'm just going to say it, it's nothing, um, because it's there and you can just look it up yourself. But let's say like I look at Asian porn. Okay. So there it is. It's, it's feeding my dopamine for some time, but then those receptors start to die off and I'm like, Ooh, I have to go and look at something else. So now I'm looking at, um, another top one is like lesbian porn. Right. So I look at that. Um, and then let's say it goes to, um, uh, 
you know, there's like things with animals. So I go and I look at that one and norm, most people, most of society would be like, there's something wrong with you if you're looking at, you know, animals and anything sexual at all whatsoever. Well, your brain is literally like just, it's, it's going against your own will, what you've been taught your whole life, what may not even originally at all feel good at all whatsoever, but that's how your brain is being hijacked, right? And then slowly but surely, you're starting to see people uh, go into barely, right? Barely 18 or barely legal. Like those are literally titles of porn movies and shows and things like that. Then, oh, that dopamine's got to kick in and you got to feed it some more. So now it's, oh, well, uh, 16 and, and under, like people say these are just titles, but everyone there is really of legal age, but you have absolutely no idea if they are legal or not. And more times than none, some of these very, very famous, um, actresses that were in the adult industry, they started like at 16, they started at 17. Um, and they made millions of dollars and they will tell you like, I never should have done it. Like there's huge, uh, there's a lot of individuals becoming advocates that are saying how bad porn is and how it really is within the actual industry. Um, but right now we're glamorizing it, right? Like to the fullest, we're normalizing and we're glamorizing uh, pornography. The other thing is um, you're starting to get less pleasure, right? Like, I don't know if you read into that and what I'm saying is, so <clears throat> you're at one level and you're, you're, you're looking at it so much and you're trying to get less pleasure. So you gotta, you gotta up the ante and we're seeing more and more people getting arrested and busted for uh child porn, which I call right. Child rape because those children didn't have consent and we just got to call it what it is. And most people are like, I would have never thought that person would be into child porn or children or anything along those lines. And there isn't a lot of research on that specifically. But if we look at all the other research and the pattern, I'm going to go ahead and make that call and say they probably weren't into doing anything with the child, you know, at all until they started getting into porn. And time and time again, you we do ask certain buyers <clears throat> and buyers are revealing like, I don't even know how I got into kitty porn. Like it's, they're baffled themselves. Like, I don't even know how I clicked on that. I don't even know how I spent time watching that. I don't know how it went from watching Asian or, or lesbian porn to all of a sudden barely legal to teen porn to then straight kitty porn. Like, I don't know how I got there. And this isn't me justifying or making an excuse for them at all whatsoever. So let's just be, be clear about that. Uh, that's not what I'm doing. But what I'm saying is we're constantly thinking that porn is not a gateway or doesn't fuel human trafficking. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It it that we think that it's not about exploiting women, that all of those women want to be there. They all choose to be there um, and so on and so forth. And that's not the case either when more and more uh, ex-porn actresses are coming out and talking about their time in the porn industry and how horrible it is. Like, yeah, fine, they did sign a contract to to do A, B, C, and D, but they didn't sign to do F, G, and H, right? Yet they had to do it by force, fraud, 
and coercion. Um, so the porn industry is a dark, dark place. And the more you read research about it, the more you hear these stories from um, people who have been in that industry, they will tell you exactly that, that it's infused with corruption, with objectifying and exploiting um, women. It's it's inhumane what they make them do. Um and there is a male power, you know, dynamic. It is a a male dominating, definitely industry from the producers to the directors to the managers to, um, you know, to to ev- everything across the board. Um, so, like Karen's story, right from the beginning, is that she was trafficked for nine years. Nine years she was trafficked, and time and time again men came in and filmed themselves with her. So my question with that is, so did they film themselves with her because they just wanted to take it as a trophy or were they planning to watch it again? Right. Or were they planning to share it and watch it with friends or other people in that, in that space? Were they planning to upload it and make money off of it? Because that is literally the world we live in, right? Amateur porn is at its height. So what did he film it for? And it wasn't just one person, right? Like it was, I mean, on and on those whole nine years. So you could only say, yeah, it's for him to watch it again or for him to make, make, make a profit. So that's pornography right there in itself, right? That dopamine is what he's needing to fill. So sure. Why aren't I going to fill myself? Right. And then same thing. They're bringing porn to Karen and saying, okay, I want you to perform this act and I want you to perform that act and this one. Why can't, why can't they do that with their significant other? Why are they paying one paying for sex and asking a complete stranger to do that? Right. That should completely open up our mindset of like, okay, I I'm, I'm all about pornography. I, I think it's free will and so on and so forth, but that should open your mind a little bit a little bit that there is some sort of connection. Maybe not all, maybe 75%, maybe 50, but it has to start opening your mind to think of the detriment of what pornography does, not only to the individual who is, you know, receiving that, but who it's done upon. And then to any of the, the victims that we come across, right? They're wanting somebody to do that with. And for some reason, they're not asking their significant other to do so. So we're going to pause here and we're going to come back so you can get part two of this ain't your daddy's porn. And and it's real important for you to come back. I ask you to because that is where you're also going to get the call to action on how to help eradicate human trafficking. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.